All right, I encourage you to grab a Bible and go to Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, it's probably a, a red one in front of you. The passage of Scripture is also on the screen as well as in uh, your bulletin. One more thing, you should have got our last week of memorization uh, in your bulletin. So if you're just joining us, we've been kind of working through three different psalms over the course of the season of Lent, this 40-day journey to the cross. And so it's just a way for us to prepare ourselves for Sunday, for Easter Sunday, so we don't roll in here surprised, you know, that, no, we're ready to go and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're memorizing the second half of Psalm 100. If you didn't get in your bulletin, there's, there's a stack of them out in the atrium. And so we are landing the plane today and finishing up our series on the parables. And so the parables are, are, are short stories that in some ways they have simple meaning and in other ways they have complex meaning. Uh, Jesus used them to um, keep people in the dark, which is kind of crazy to think, but he did. He used parables to kind of keep people in the dark as well as to help people understand. And so uh, he did it. I don't know how he did that because he's a master teacher, but he was able to do both at the same time. And so uh, we uh, began by talking about parables of the money, spent a few weeks there, uh, spent some time in parables of the kingdom, and we've been spending time in the parables of judgment. And, and I know it's like with the crowd this big, I know we got some first-time people here, and it's going, oh, great, judgment. That's kind of a four-letter word in our culture. And I, and I get that. I really do. And I, I'm just saying this in the front end, like I've said the last few weeks, we we do. We desire to be a church that's centered around Jesus. We want to be a church that's all about Jesus. And we would not be a church centered around Jesus if we neglected a large portion of Jesus' teaching. And a large portion of what Jesus taught, he taught a lot about judgment. And so I recognize that a lot of us may come from different perspectives on that. And in some sense, we want to say, hey, we welcome that. We would love to have conversations with you about that. Uh, we have groups that meet throughout the week that would love to sit down with you and talk to you more about that. We've got pastors and leaders uh, that would love to kind of talk to you more about kind of our perspective, what we see the Bible teach about judgment, and, and know that, hey, this can be an open dialogue. Uh, but my prayer has been, uh, since we rolled into this, and just as much as it may not be fun to hear about this, it's not fun to preach about it either, to be real honest with you. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in my interior world. But I want to be a body that submits under the Word of God. And even in difficult, hard truths, we want to say, wow, there's not something wrong with the word. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And I want to be a body and, a, and an individual that continually submits itself uh, to what the word says. So with that said, man, may we all kind of put our defenses down and may we receive what Jesus has to say to us this morning. All right. So if you're able, I encourage you to stand with me as we read the word of God. So starting in verse 31, there at the end of the chapter, reading to verse 46. So hear the word of the Lord. And when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, Lord, when did we uh, see you hungry and feed you and thirsty 
and give you something to drink, when we see you as stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you, when, when do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I'll tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I'll tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, once again, um, yeah, we, we just ask for help, Lord. We ask for help to receive and hear hard truths, Lord. We ask that our cultural kind of issues, Lord, won't come in play here as we try to understand what is being plainly spoken here by your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's, here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to, um, I want to... I want to bring out kind of three truths that we see embedded in this, this passage of Scripture in uh, Matthew 25. And then I want to kind of land the plane uh, by talking a little bit about three kind of reflective applicational thoughts that are rooted in the three truths here. And so I'm, I'm going to work this really quick. We got, we got seven baptisms that we've done over the course of two services today, which is huge. I mean, I, like last year we baptized seven people total. And today... We're baptizing seven in one day, which is awesome. And if you guys remember, some of you guys got a letter from me at the end of last year that we would be praying together as a family that God would give us the privilege to baptize 20 people. So we got 13 to go, but dadgummit, that's a good start. Amen? So we can, we can clap for that if you're good with that, all right? So we had, we had Maureen, a young lady uh, uh, that baptized in the first service, and we got six uh, in this service. So five students and one adult, which I love. I love that because it helps us see that the gospel is not just for students or kids. It's for all people. Amen. So no matter if you're 12 or you're 40 or you're 60, the gospel is for all people. We all go on level ground there because we're all in need of Jesus. And so I recognize today is baptism Sunday. So I'm going to be really concise. I'm going to be really quick. I don't have a lot of stories. I'm sorry. I usually try to bring in a story to kind of bring you in and keep you, your attention. I won't have enough energy, hopefully, to keep you with me. But I, I'm just trying to work through these three truths so we can kind of land the plane with these three applicational thoughts. And in some ways, I feel like these three truths kind of summarize all that we've talked about uh, over the last few weeks when we've talked about judgment. So here we go. They all start with J. All right, so if you're an outline taker, you're going to be loving me today. Because usually I don't, like, do a lot. I do an outline every week, but I just never tell you my outline. All right, that's, that's kind of weird, but that's just kind of how I roll. But today you're going to know my outline. All right, so here, here's one. Number one is this. Judgment is real. Judgment is real. Now, look, 
I know that we say this is a parable, all right? I know that I say this is a parable. And maybe even in your Bible, you see kind of like in italics there, the parable of the sheep and the goats. In reality, this isn't a parable. It's not. It's not an illustrative story like we've seen over the course of these last eight Sundays as we work through these stories. This is a, this is a, a clear explanation of what is coming. The only place where we see kind of metaphorical language is there in verse 32 and in verse 33 where it says, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as, here's our metaphor, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And so in this time, this was a common occurrence. The sheep and the goats would graze together during the day, but at the end of the deal, at the nighttime, the shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. That's the only place where we have any kind of metaphorical language. What Jesus is doing here is giving us future history. Jesus is giving us a vision here of what is going to happen. This is real. This is the very last kind of teaching and discourse that Matthew records of Jesus right before he gets crucified. And the reason why it's the last one is because Jesus wants them to remember this. Get this etched in your mind, in your memory. I want to I speak this as plain as I possibly can. I'm not trying to, to hide it. I'm not trying to be mysterious. I'm not trying to put it in some kind of story where you can connect with. No, I'm trying to be as clear as possible. This is real. This is the future. I'm giving you future history. This is really going to happen. Judgment is real. Hell is real. And Jesus is announcing this in this text. It's coming. It's coming. That's point one. Judgment is real. It's not a made-up story. It's not fictitious. It's not a fairy tale. This is God in the flesh that is coming and announcing to us what is coming in the future. This is future history. Judgment is real. The second one is this. Notice who is doing the separating or notice who is doing the judging. Look what happens here in verses 31 through 34. So when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will gather before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say, so so who is this son of man? Who is this king that Jesus is talking about? Who is this one who comes in glory that has all the angelic beings that are gathering here and all of humanity. All the nations are gathered here. All the peoples that have lived from from the beginning of time are gathering before this individual. Who is this person? Well, we know it's Jesus. Over and over in the book of Matthew, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. And that's a title, that's a terminology that is a direct quote from Daniel chapter 7. So this Daniel chapter 7 is written hundreds of years before this kind of ever happens here. And when you're, you know, in in this time, you know, the the, the full revelation wasn't given to us. So when the people are originally hearing Daniel chapter 7, they're going like, 
Who is this person that, 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 that Daniel's talking about? And so we see this vision that Daniel had here in verses 9 through 10. Look what he says. And see the similarities of what you see in this vision that Daniel's getting 100 years before Jesus announcing this future history in Matthew 25. Look what he says here. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. And then a few verses later, we hear the Son of Man being talked about in verses 13 and 14 of the same chapter. And it says this, In my vision, at night I looked, and there before me was like one, a Son of Man. There's the title, Coming with the Clouds of Heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And he, the Son of Man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. In Joel chapter 3, we have another kind of vision here that's very similar to what we see in Matthew 25 when he says this, In those days, at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, Listen, similar language. I will what? Gather all the nations. I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and there I will enter into judgment against them concerning my inheritance. Who is the judge here in Joel chapter three? God is. Who is the judge in Matthew chapter 25? Jesus is. Jesus is God in the flesh. All throughout this passage of Scripture in Matthew 25, it calmly attributes to Jesus the authority and kingship which only belong to God in the Old Testament. This is God in the flesh walking on this earth. And the reason why all of humanity is gathered before him is because he's the one that has created all of humanity and all of humanity owes its allegiance and its worship to King Jesus. That's who's doing the judging here. Not human beings, not the church, Jesus is. Because look, I want to encourage all of us in this room that we make sure that we have a right picture of who Jesus is that is rooted in revelation, not speculation. That's rooted in how Jesus has revealed himself, not in how what makes us feel good. A God of compassion makes us feel good. A God of mercy and kindness and, and grace makes us feel really good. And Jesus is all of those. And you go to John chapter 8 and you can see that put on display when the woman who's caught in adultery comes before Jesus and he treats her with such compassion and kindness and grace. But at the same time, look, what did he say to her? Go now and what? Sin no more. He's judging her by even using that word sin. He's saying your activity and what you're doing is wrong. 
It's sinful. Yes, Jesus is full of compassion and kindness and mercy, but he's also a judge. And there's a severity to that. Look, guys, every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room will see Jesus face to face. It does not matter where you're at spiritually. You will see Jesus face to face. And so you'll see Jesus as your brother, as your friend, as your king, as your savior, as your redeemer, or you will see Jesus as your judge. And seeing Jesus as your judge is frightening. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, the son of man will come in the clouds and they will weep and they will mourn because he's coming not to bring salvation, he's coming to bring judgment. Judgment is real. It's real history. It's coming. It's, it's a vision of the future that he lays out before us here in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is the one that is doing the judgment, and rightfully so, because he is God in the flesh, and all of humanity owes its allegiance and worship to King Jesus. Third one. Judgment is determined by what you do. I'll say that again, because hopefully you're listening, and some of you are going, I don't agree with that. So hopefully you are, all right? So just kind of bear with me. Judgment is determined by what you do. Look what he says there in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, we know the king is Jesus, Come, beautiful invitation there, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For you asked me into your heart when you were eight years old. For you got baptized on, what's the day? March 25th, right? Sorry, that was like some actual question. All right, sorry. You, yeah, that kind of sounded kind of weird. All right. Uh, for, you know, I, you know, grew up in a Christian home. That's not what it says, does it? It says, the reason why is this, for I was what, hungry? And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Guys, the separation is determined by how people were treated, how they treated others. That's how the separation was determined. Those that were cursed didn't do this. So judgment, like just hear me, judgment based on what we see in this passage of Scripture is determined by what you do. By how you treat people with compassion, kindness, and mercy. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was, didn't have clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you took care of me. I was a prison and you visited me. And all of these are things that any of us in this room can do. Notice what's not on this list. There's no massive miracles, right? I was sick and you prayed and I got healed. That's not on there. I was in prison, you showed up, waved your hand, 
And the prison thing went, whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's not what's here. These are just, look, look. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. I'm just saying these are simple little ministries, not these massive, amazing miracles. Little ministries that often go unnoticed. Little ministries that no one really sees. They seem small and insignificant, but they're acts of mercy and love and compassion toward those who are suffering. Judgment, based on what we see in this passage, is determined by what you do. So, Lyle, this begs me to ask you a question, man. I, I love it. Love the little inner lawyers that are rolling up in our hearts, and I want them. So here's the question that most of us are asking. So then are you saying, Lyle, that I can get in by my good works? That I can get in by my being merciful, by being kind, by being compassionate, meeting needs of people that are suffering without any regard to Jesus. Because there's, there's no like, the reason why you're inheriting this, the reason why you get to come into heaven is because you trusted in Jesus. It doesn't say that in the passage. So you telling me, then therefore, a non-believing person who doesn't believe in Jesus can pass through judgment in and into heaven because of their good works. No, I'm not. And some of you are going, well, where do you, where do you get that? You know what I'm saying? Like, aren't you reading into the text? Well, I am a little bit, all right? I am a little bit, but that's how you do it. You use Scripture to interpret Scripture, right? You, you can't build an entire understanding of salvation out of one story. You can't do that. That gets you all jacked up and messed up. You've got to use other Scripture in order to help interpret Scripture, But if you want to stay in the passage, then I'll stay in the passage and I'll show you that this is not works. No one gets in heaven by their good works. It ain't happening. No way. But judgment is determined by what you do. And I know it's like, what do you mean, Lau? But look, look, look what happens here. Look, they're surprised. When, when Jesus says, man, the reason what you're, you're coming in because of what you did and suffering those people in about sick, you you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Look, all of them were like, what? What are you talking about? When did we see you? When did we see? They're shocked by this. Why are they shocked? Because they are just doing what comes natural. Are you following me? Of course I did that. Of course I met needs. Of course I came and helped those who were suffering because that's who I am now. That's the, the core of my being. My, my whole life has changed. I'm a different person. So look, I'm not, I'm not being kind and, and meeting needs out of a means to serve myself or to you know, gain something from God. I'm doing it because the core of who I am has completely changed. I am merciful because I am one who's received mercy. I'm compassionate because I'm the one who has received compassion. I'm not compassionate in order to get compassion. I'm not merciful in order to get mercy. I'm merciful because I have it. For you to be shocked by these actions, you've got to have Jesus in order to be this kind of person. You can't do this on your own. That's not enough. What does he say there? Come you who are what? Say it out loud. What does he say? Blessed. What's blessed mean? It means favor. It means grace. It means someone who's spoken well of. 
That's prior to any activity or works. Come you who are blessed. If that's not enough, what does he say after that? Come you who are blessed by my Father and take your, what do he say? Your inheritance. You know, I, I'm not the smartest dude in the world. And I get that, but I do understand this. Last time I checked, you can't earn an inheritance. Right? Some of you in this room, you've got an inheritance for your kids. Thank God for you, right? But there ain't nothing I can do. Sorry about using ain't, all right? There's nothing. My Lebanon Junction coming out, right? There's nothing that I can do to earn that inheritance because I'm not a part of your family. That's for your kids. Look, an inheritance is a gift that is freely given because you're part of of the family. So then therefore, then how do I become a part of the family of God so that I can receive this free gift of an inheritance? Well, you can't find it in Matthew chapter 25, but you use scripture to interpret scripture. And if you go to Ephesians chapter one, we get the answer. Look what he says here in Paul writing a letter to um, the church in Ephesus. In love, he predestined us. Please don't get all wigged out about that word because I don't have time to unpack that. That's not our point here this morning. Amen. So moving on. All right. Love my word there, moving on. In love, he predestined us, what? To be adopted as his sons. And you can put their daughters also. Through what? Good works? Is that what it says there? By showing love and mercy? By being compassionate and meeting people's needs? Is that what it says there? No, it says you've been adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, period. That's it. So how do I become a part of this family so that I can receive this gift of an inheritance? You receive Jesus. That's it. That's it. And then when you receive Jesus, the very core of who you are changes. And you begin to meet needs. You are compassionate. You are kind. You see people suffering and you step in. The idea and I'm reading this because I wrote this and I want to make sure it's, it's said like I wanted to say it because this is tricky, all right? The idea that you can earn salvation by your good deeds is foreign to Matthew and in the entire whole Bible. But at the same time, if I say I have a relationship with Jesus and if I'm adopted into the family of God and I'm a son or daughter of King Jesus, then I'm going to begin to look like the family. I'm going to begin to look like my dad. And this is seen in love and mercy to all people. So look, guys, yeah, you will be judged by your works because faith without works is what? It's dead. It's dead. If you're indifferent, to human suffering, and you call yourself a Christian, like, I'm saying this gently, then you're lying to yourself. Read the book of James. We'll be working through the book of James over the summer, but read through it. The evidence that you have a changed heart is because you're not indifferent to human suffering. It shows. It, it, it's revealing what's really inside of you. So judgment is real. Jesus is the one 
who judges. And yes, judgment is based upon your works because faith without works is dead. It's a natural part of who you are now. You're going to do this. So let me land the plane really quickly here by just kind of talking about kind of three reflective applicational thoughts that are rooted in these three truths. The first one is this. Recognize the gift. Recognize the gift. So, so if I would come to you today and tell you that you're going to lose your job in a year, so somehow I had insider knowledge. I don't know how I'd know this, but somehow I had insider knowledge, and I would come to you and say, hey, in a year you're going to lose your job. How would you receive that? I think you would receive it as a gift. You'd say, thank you, because you have a year to prepare for losing your job. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said this, look, if you knew a thief was coming to your house, if you knew a thief was going to come in and break in your house, you would get ready for it, right? Now, he doesn't tell you how you would get ready for it. That's up to your conscience. But you would get ready for it, right? Not many snickers on that one. Sorry about that. So, look, this is a gift from God to come to us and say, this is what's going to happen. There's a judgment. This is where it's headed. This is the grace of God by by him coming in the flesh and giving us this warning. Guys, look, we got to, humanity is not innocent. We're not. I'm not innocent. You're not innocent. And God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't. The only thing he owes us, guys, is judgment. And so it's, it's out of the goodness and gift and the grace of God himself that took on flesh and that is here in the flesh and saying, look, this is where it's going. This is where it's headed. I want you to be ready. If you knew a thief was coming tonight, you would prepare. Well, I'm telling you, this is where it's going. Be ready. Don't be a fool. So recognize the gift. The second one, is this, be encouraged. And this is what I mean by that. It may sound kind of weird alongside judgment. If you're a Christian here, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, listen, guys, you should not fear anything about judgment. Actually, judgment should be something that you're excited for. I know it sounds really strange and weird, but John says it, perfect love cast out fear. And if you're in Christ, you're engulfed in perfect love. And notice, notice that when when Jesus is talking to the sheep, the righteous one, he doesn't mention anything about their sins. Not one time. Why? Is it because they're sinless now? Well, no way, man, right? Dude, I'm still struggling with sin. Battling it on a daily basis. And anyone that's a a Christian here that has any self-awareness would say, yep, I'm still struggling, right? Right? But he doesn't mention sin one time. All he does is talk about their good works and gives them a reward for their good works. Now, why? Why is that the case? Because their sin has been completely dealt with. When Jesus yells from the cross on Good Friday, it is finished. He meant it. It's not a joke. It's not like, ah, fooled you, right? No, it is finished means that all of your sins, past, present, and future, are wiped out. 
clean. And so when you stand before the judgment seat of Jesus, you have nothing to fear. He's not bringing up. I mean, when you were 15, you got loaded and you did some stupid stuff. I just want to remind you of that. That that ain't happening. That is not happening. That sin was dealt with. All you have is is a, a beautiful expectation of you seeing Jesus face to face and saying, well done, well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. And I don't, I don't know about you. I know me. Like, I need that, man. I need that. It's hard. It is, it is at times really discouraging, right? I mean, we've got middle school students in here. I got a middle school student. We've got high school students in here. Like, dude, it is hard. To go in and say, I, I want to follow Jesus even though I feel like I'm the only person in the school that's doing it. And here's what I want to say to you. Jesus sees that. That doesn't go unnoticed. And you will be rewarded. For you here that are single moms or you've got, you're taking on foster children, that is hard work. And sometimes it goes unnoticed and unrewarded. Nobody's patting you on the back. Nobody's clapping you you're, you all the time. You feel like an island. You're on an island all by yourself. And I just want you to hear this this morning. Jesus sees it. Nothing is forgotten from him. It doesn't go unnoticed. It's a, giving someone a glass of water he sees. And he rewards you for that. And my prayer is that that truth Judgment doesn't cause fear in us as Christians, but it's a way of empowering us to persevere in a culture and in a world and in a time that can be really, really hard. There have been many times, guys, when I just said, I'm done. Let's push the easy button. I am out of here. But truths like this are the means by which God gives us to encourage us. Keep on. I see it. I see it. I know they're not, they're not saying thanks. I know no one's patting you on the back. No, I see it, and you will be rewarded. To recognize the gift, be encouraged. And then lastly, and then we're done, choose Jesus today. I know some of you in this room get a little wigged out by that language. And I want to say, yeah. There's probably one to say, we'll just kind of deal with it. But here's what I would say to that, all right? I'm a little feisty today. Sorry about that. Uh, I confess or repent. But here's what I want to say. Yeah, I, yeah I, I do believe and we do teach here that, yeah, you can't choose Jesus until Jesus first chooses you. But at the same time, you got to choose Jesus. It's in the Bible, both of them. Jesus chooses you and you choose Jesus. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say your parents. It doesn't say your best friend. It doesn't say your spouse. It doesn't say by just showing up, you'll evolve into that. No, it says you personally have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is king. And you gotta believe you personally have to believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You must choose Jesus. And you need to do it today. From the beginning, God does not come to, cl- to crush us. He comes to clothe us. From the very beginning, God's, I mean, go read Genesis chapter three. Read it. Such a beautiful picture of God's gracious activity toward humanity. Here's Adam and Eve sinning against God. I mean, set the whole world in a chaotic mess. And God doesn't come in judgment, does he? That's not what he does. He does not first come in judgment. He comes going, what? What do he say? What do he ask? Where are you? Isn't that the craziest question that God would ask somebody? He knows everything. Where are you? It's like you playing hide and seek with your three-year-old. You ever done that? And your three-year-old just stands there. I'm ready. You can't see me because I got my eyes closed, right? And what do you do? You just, you play along. It's like, oh, okay, where'd she go, right? God did, he knew exactly where they were. It's an invitation. He doesn't come first with judgment. He comes first with grace. And that's what it is with Jesus' first coming. Hear me. He doesn't come in judgment. He comes with grace. He enters in. Palm Sunday, here we go. Palm Sunday, right? Love Cherish. She was saying, okay, moving on. But love you. Yeah, she was asking me, we had a little elder dinner or whatever. And she said, hey, you say anything about Palm Sunday? She says, well, kind of, sort of. You know, we're talking, yeah, about the second time he rolls into Jerusalem, not necessarily the first time. But, but here we go. I'm throwing it in there. But, but he comes in the first time, surrounded by people that were going to murder him. And Pilate is sitting in judgment over Jesus. And he hangs on a cross. And he says, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, God. He comes with grace, mercy, inviting us into a relationship with him, with salvation. But listen to me, guys. Listen to me at the same time, just like he came in his first coming. He's coming again, and the day of salvation is done. And he will come in judgment. You want to be ready for that day. And the way you're ready for that day is when you receive Jesus now. Let's pray.